Well, hello, and welcome back to the Couple's Guide to Stranger Things podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm freaking speechless. Hello, freaking speechless. Um, hi. <laughs> We're just two super fans who met through our love of Stranger Things, and thanks to the incredible piece of theatre we have just seen, we are laid to rest thanks to our love of Stranger Things. So, in today's episode, we are going to try to explain how our devs came to be through that incredible show called Stranger Things The First Shadow, and how we're ever going to cope until Season 5 finally embraces us. (laughs) Shall we uh, dive deeper into our graves? Honey, I'm already there. (laughs) So, um... Holy <laughs> Well, I mean, that's probably the best way to start this. <laughs> that's the only way to start this. <laughs> There's no other way I can actually explain how that show had me feel. Well, my notes. So we wrote notes um, after we watched the, the play. And mine literally start with, Oh, holy God in heaven. Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. Bloody brilliant. <laughs> well, mine start with, holy <laughs> <laughs> And I've got to say as well, this was the... Tom has seen a couple of theatre things, haven't you? Just like a few... I don't know. Amateur. Like not proper, yeah, amateur, I guess the word is. Yeah, not yeah. Without, without insulting them. Amateur. Yeah, well, it's called amateur dramatics. Exactly. Um, but this, of course, was your first ever West End show. Yeah, and I've set the bar way too high for anything else now. Yeah, I, I genuinely, having seen, not lots, but having seen quite a bit of theatre myself now on the West End, including Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which was fantastic, I genuinely don't know how we're ever going to beat this. And I don't think we want to. No, no, exactly. Like... At one point I was comparing this against Secret Cinema. Yeah. Stranger Things, Secret Cinema, obviously. And I genuinely can't decide which one I preferred. No, no. Like, on the one hand, Secret Cinema, you're in the experience. Like, you got a hug from Elle. I did. (laughs) And I almost cried, didn't I? Oh, you did. I'm sure you did. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But on on the other end... It didn't have as much effects going on no. as this. Um, and obviously this was a brand new story to us, yeah. a prequel about Henry. Whereas, obviously, Secret Cinema was a retelling... To be fair, it was a retelling of seasons one through three. Yes. So it did pack a lot in, and mm. it was amazing. Oh, it was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. My God, if I, if I had infinite money... <laughs> Going there and for the first shadow is probably all I would ever do in my life. I agree. And I would say, like, they're owning their own... They are... Sorry, I'm completely lost words myself, clearly. (laughs) They're both in their own categories. And they win both of their categories. Absolutely, that's it. Secret Cinema for Stranger Things wins the immersive cinematic experience, I think is what the uh, feedback form called it. (laughs) And... Obviously, West End performances, like I say, I've set the bar too high. Nothing will ever beat the first shadow. No. And we went with my sister and my brother-in-law, who are also fans. And my brother-in-law especially, um, 
sees a lot of theatre. Yeah. And he said to me that um, there was a couple of actors in there that were um, Olivier Award winning actors. And for those that don't know, Olivier is the biggest award you can get in theatre. Right, yeah. So it's it's the best in the world. Yeah. So to have that... Yeah, that's like it. So that, they, that kind of acting yeah, in that play was so that's phenomenal. It. For someone who goes to a lot of West End, I guess he recognises some faces. He did, yeah. Yeah, but despite them being big names in their field, because I pretty much have never gone to West End performances, I recognise nobody. Well, that's it. I think that's the beauty of being Absolutely. a theatre star. So many of them aren't noticed. Unless yeah. you're talking about like, Someone like Dina Menzel, who is Elsa in Frozen. Well, I wouldn't she... have known her by name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, but you're not a fair to geek like me. <laughs> but, uh, but someone like of that kind of stature, then no, you're not going to know. And that that is the beauty of fair Absolutely, because that's it. Everyone was their character for me. Yeah. Um, I guess it's kind of along the lines of Stranger Things itself. The only big name it really got from the start is Winona Ryder. Yeah. Everyone else new to me. I suppose yeah. except for Finn Wolfhard from It. Yeah. So I'd seen that. But otherwise, nobody else, really. Until season two, they got um, Sean Astin. Yeah. Um, That's it. And but they've always stuck to low names as well, I guess. Without, you know, low names. How else can I describe it? I know what you're saying. People that aren't known as well. Yeah. Which we always love because then they become their character. Exactly. That's because what you're not on. like, yeah. oh, this is this person from this. This is like, for yeah. instance, like poor Daniel Radcliffe. Like, he's only ever going to be Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Harry Potter. Exactly. And that's it. You know, obviously, like I say, eventually they've had some big names in. Like, season two, Sean Astin comes in and, you know, everyone knows him as Samwise Gamgee. Yes. But still, that's the only thing I've seen him in personally. Well, Goonies as well. I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, the Goonies. So, but at the same time, I haven't seen him in anything more recent. No. So he's changed, obviously, as everyone does. So he's now Bob Newby to me as well. Yeah. Um, but that... sorry. No, but yeah, sorry. going on. You can on... tell we we are just we're not, we're not with it today. <laughs> We've done fairly good at not interrupting each other, like you were saying. We were happy with that, but now we're both too excited. We're both way too. We are excited. like children on Christmas Eve or well Christmas Day, really. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll try and get back to where we were, and I mean, we did say like the whole journey. Of even getting there would be an experience, and it and it was <laughs> but not so bad getting there. Um, I mean, we had to go on the tube, the London Underground, all that kind of stuff, and we wouldn't have got there so smoothly without our brother-in-law. Honestly, he was amazing, yeah, uh, leading the way. Um, and like I said last time, we followed like we were his children. Yeah, he is our London tour guide. And um, as we got onto the West End, we were getting a bit closer. And then um, our brother-in-law, Lewis, pointed out, he was like, oh, there it is. And the first thing you could see was a sign saying Hawkins. Yeah, we were quite... We were sort of down the road from it, so we couldn't see the theatre itself, but they had one of those sideways posters. Yeah, And, yeah, it it had the tiniest little bit of saying, welcome to, at the top. But all you could genuinely see in the red outline font of the Stranger Things intro um, is... Hawkins down vertically. Yes. And so the excitement for me at that point was already like peaking yeah, just seeing that. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> seeing something resembling your show. Yeah. In real life. And I think we arrived at a good time because we weren't waiting outside too long. No, we got really lucky in terms of the queue. Yeah. But we were there at a good time as well because it was 
it was starting to queue, but there wasn't enough people that we couldn't get some nice pictures in front of the sign. Yeah, exactly. That's it. There were plenty. Obviously, it's London. It's one of the main like central. I don't know what where in well, London. Well, it is central but, London. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. There's plenty of people walking around. Your cliche red bus. Yeah, as soon but, as we got off the underground, we're like, oh, hello, red buses. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, so there were quite a few people walking around, but we did get some lucky moments, being able to get a clear shot of the theatre, clear photo of us there, if, you've, if you're following us on Instagram, you would yeah. have seen them. But, yeah, we got really lucky in our timing. Yeah, and it was really immersive as soon as you walked into the theatre, because... Well, they had the merchandise set up, which was great. And we both got ourselves um, a a Stranger Things mug, um, which I've got to say, actually, it came in these lovely gift bags that were only 5p. I don't know what that is in cent, but it's really, really cheap. Something super cheap. Yeah. Yeah, And um, it said on it, Stranger Things, the first shadow, London. And that kind of gives me hope for those of you out there that it's going to come to other cities in other countries. I mean... For them to have put... London on there, you yeah. Know? I mean, come on, big West End performances always do go touring yeah. eventually. Like, I mean, Harry Potter, The Cursed Child. Thank that, you. Yeah, that went to New York, I think. Went New to Broadway, York, yeah. Okay, well, so surely. I imagine this is going to go to Broadway. Like, the thing is, the fact that this has started in London is amazing, considering yeah. the show is American. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm not really sure why. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm very grateful. I'm, yeah, I am in no way complaining because we I, don't get that much. So no, I am, that's it. I'm we really pretty happy. much get nothing. Like we got obviously we got Secret Cinema that was fantastic, but that's kind of Secret Cinema and like People Convention. They're yeah. the only things we've ever really gotten yes. over here. Um, but otherwise, like if we wanted to go to the Stranger Things the experience as it's called we'd have to go I can't remember where in America that is I I don't know if it is in Atlanta or if it's somewhere else Um, I know my friend Megan who lives in Atlanta went to it and I think that was in Atlanta so probably well yeah either way we've got to go to America for that and that just at the moment isn't happening so (laughs) to get something not quite close in terms of UK distance because it's London while we're north Wales, yeah. but something in the country at least. Yeah, and that's it. And so at this point, we've gone into um, the theatre only really by the bar. And um, of course, I said last week about my arachnophobia, <laughs> and I don't know why they did this. I didn't do anything before you say they. This was all <laughs> Lewis. So Tom and Lewis, our brother-in-law. Um, literally goes don't look at the beers the beer taps the beer taps don't look at the beer taps so come on everyone's gonna look for the beer taps i barely drink alcohol i was never gonna look at the beer taps no but now i have to look at the beer taps because it's like don't look (laughs) and over the beer taps were like animated screens yeah so for context obviously i assume most people are gonna know what a beer tap looks like but on the customer side shall we say Mm. our side of things they'll typically just have like a little picture of whatever beer's logo is on that tap so you know what's available but these ones were animated screens still showing the logos of what beer or whatever they were yeah but because they're animated they can get away with adding a little uh, present for some people yes so as you can imagine from what we're saying there was a lot of spiders crawling 
up and down the screen in every direction. So, not very yeah, nice. <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, if that gives you context, the bar right at the entrance being, well, having its logo swapped over for things resembling the first shadow. Yeah, it was that, cool. Uh, the entire place mm. was kitted out for it. That's it, because then we did go to our seats and we were in the dress circle, so it's like the balcony. And um, as we were going Well, we were on the last row of seats, yeah. Yeah, which I would just like to say, if anyone does go and see it and they do end up getting like the last row seats like we did, you might think you can't see, but I assure you, we could see everything. We could see absolutely everything. The only time I had sort of had to duck my head to see something was... When they were doing the on-screen bits while the actors were away somewhere else. Funnily enough, I didn't. And just I'm... along the top, there yeah. were a few bits of details that were just covered by the roof. Yeah. But it wasn't anything critically important. No. Like, do you rem- I know we're jumping in now, but do you remember when it was on screen and it was going through news articles and highlighting bits of text? Yes. There was one moment where the text it was highlighting was right at the top of the screen. Right, okay. And that was covered by the ceiling until I ducked my head. Well, but then, as I say, it wasn't anything important. I missed nothing by that, really. Well, then, really, yeah, except for moments like that where it's not major to the play, you could see everything of the actors themselves. Absolutely. Um, so that was brilliant. But, yeah, as we had actually gone to our seats, um, up the stairs, there were so many posters, which we have shared on our Instagram... There was like um, Ted Wheeler for president. There was well, there was a Karen Wheeler for president as well. There also was well, it wasn't well, Karen Wheeler. Karen Childress um, at the time. Um, there was also a poster of Joyce's play, um, casting call for her play. Yeah, and Bob the Brain newbie yeah. live on air. Yeah, there there were so many. Uh, it was brilliant because it just yeah had you in the action already. Then straight away, that's it. It's you sort of tried to put you in the zone a bit like Secret Cinema would, I suppose. And this is the thing. It's like, we went in there expecting a play and it was probably only two minutes in, three minutes in, and uh, <laughs> me and Tom were both in tears. <laughs> yeah. So, before I start on that as well, I will say one thing I noted down is I've always had a bit of a prejudice against live plays Really? Kind of. Where, you know how we were sort of saying we don't like to join the bandwagons of big shows because we're like, oh, I'm not going to like that. Yeah. Sort of along those lines where I've always seen plays as the most, well, amateur performances. It's all coming out now. Yeah, that's it. I'd always held that prejudice that I'd be like, well, you can't cut a live performance. You can't have a camera cut. So you're going to see the actors running away when their scene's done or something like that. And yes, there were moments where characters had to run away and or take a set piece away with them or anything like that. Or in the shadow, trying to hide away, they'd come on stage ducking low. And you said you never saw anyone, but I saw no, I a few doing that. It never took away from it anyway. No. And that's it. They all did it very well. And that's it. But, from doing amateur dramatics myself, from because my degree is in drama, like you walk on stage in your character, yeah, because you know there's gonna be people that can see slightly into the wings. Exactly, that's it. And not only that, but yeah, despite the fact that they obviously have no camera 
to cut from scene to scene, they still sort of managed to cut between scenes. Yeah, they did. Sort of thing. I mean, I suppose that rotating stage helps them a lot. Yeah. In that sense, because they can have one scene on one side of the props. Yeah. And then it can spin around and they're on another scene. So they kind of did have jump cuts here and there. Yeah. But anyway, enough about that. We can talk about that later when it actually comes up. <laughs> yeah, as you were saying, it wasn't really a show because it was as if we were watching an episode on Netflix. Yeah. Because you've watched Stranger Things, I would hope, so you know (laughs) when you start an episode, you get a couple of minutes of footage and then the theme uh, theme tune starts. And being a live performance, I wasn't expecting any of that. Like you say, we we were going in expecting a play. We weren't expecting any of this. But that first scene of the ship and all of that plays out. All black theme tune proper intro projected onto the screen on the stage <sighs> and and the, yeah. yeah as if the theme tune isn't enough to get us in tears because of how much we bloody love this show the reaction of the crowd i don't think there was a single person in that theater not cheering their lungs out it was so surprising like you say, hearing the theme tune, but then, yeah, just seeing this reaction all around you and you just kind of felt in that moment, like, these are my people. Yeah. And, like, such a sense of belonging. Yes, absolutely. It was it was wonderful. Absolutely. Being able to cheer for that theme tune, being blasted and... Oh, it was so magical. roaring of everyone clapping for it. Yeah, like as I say, we were never expecting that theme tune or anything like that. But no. yeah, and then yeah, after that, then before any of the actors came back on, while the screen was still down, it had a projection of flying through a basic a CGI render of Hawkins, but a good one. Yeah, um, flying through Hawkins and then zooming into a house where it started off with Bob Newby, didn't it? It did, so, yeah. yeah it zoomed During his radio Bob show. News. Yeah, so it zoomed into that house. It Honestly, it, this was just like watching an episode or two. Well, technically two. Yeah. Because it was two chap- hour and a half chapters, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a chapter one and a chapter two. Yeah. And this is it. We're, we're going to try and not go into major plot points where we can. Um, obviously, there's going to be spoilers. I think this episode wouldn't be possible no, without spoilers. No, there's no way we can avoid spoilers. And that we're going to try to not discuss the major plot points. And if we do, we will give a little warning beforehand. Well, we'll try to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. But as you can see, we are just not with it this episode. We are we are shaking. It was absolutely phenomenal. And um, I think really, rather than going into maybe the story now because yeah. um, that is quite taken yeah, away yeah we don't have to discuss the story at the end of the no. day I would hope first of all if you can afford it if you can afford the time the money to get into London and see it for yourself please do we beseech you honestly anyone who considers <laughs> anyone who considers themselves <laughs> even the smallest fan of Stranger Things, never mind us super fans, even if you are the tiniest fan of Stranger Things, god damn it, go and see this thing. 
you like you've got to find a way and i know that's so hard to say in the financial situation like yeah we we prioritize this over a lot of things i booked this as soon as i got the email saying right tickets are on sale i was straight in that online queue yeah and that was probably the spring of last year obviously so it's it's been a long wait but yeah if you have the money if you have the means oh god you you can't miss this especially if you are lucky enough to be in the uk while this is on yeah you know i completely appreciate for people in other countries, this is yeah. a, quite a big ask. Well, it's just like I said, we can't get to the experience. No, no. Because we're, that's America and we're in yeah. the UK. But financially, and the fact that we have a toddler and a baby on the way, we, yeah, we <laughs> there's can't. no way we so, can. Yeah, there was no way London we... was enough of a trek. That's it. There's no way we couldn't utilise this experience. And Absolutely. I'm so, so, so glad that we went. And, oh, yeah, my God, yeah. We'd Absolutely. love to go again, my worth, God. I think there was £75 at the time. Worth the money. Was that per person? Yes, per person. This is it. We we know it is very expensive, but if you do have the money, we beseech you to go. Honestly, um, I think really what's what would be good to talk about is the staging. Yeah. And and you did say earlier about the the stage rotating, so that was a really cool part. Of yeah, the play. which I imagine that's just part of the Phoenix Theatre itself rather than specifically for this show. I don't know, you know, I've seen a lot of different staging built specifically for shows. Okay. So I, we're not too sure, but yeah, they, they use the stage phenomenally. Yeah. Um. There were, and to be fair, for anyone who does have arachnophobia, there wasn't too much spider content. I imagine they tried to keep it light for that purpose. Yeah, I mean, they they were on the screens now and again, and obviously some sort of... I'm not even sure, really, what they were, but I could see them escaping out of the jars at some point of Henry's spiders. Yeah. But, again, I'm not sure how they did that, but I know they weren't real ones, so... Well, this is it, like we say. So they obviously had projectors pointed towards the stage for the theme tune to be... Well, the, the intro to be played on and then to fly into Hawkins yeah. there's nothing stopping them from using that projector while there's no screen for it to be projected on yeah and, so and, and that saved me so it just projected me. onto the floor because I was like they're not real they're not real and they didn't really show that much more after that so that was fine um, but yeah my my god their use of screens was oh and that's so, it it wasn't a case where like you get your diehard Star Wars fans who say the puppet Yoda is far better than CGI Yoda and all that. It didn't take away from anything. It just added so much. But this is the thing. I didn't even think it was CGI or anything like that. So, for instance, Henry would come on to stage at some point. You'd see him walking on. He's starting a scene. And then suddenly, he's on stage again. Somewhere else. Somewhere else. And the one you've just seen, and you're like, no, that's got to be the real Henry, has just walked into basically a screen with his family or with another character yeah. and you're like no hang on the second henry is the real one it blew my mind the it word really that did, did wherever they had phenomenal. people who look alike no i'm or... confident it was the same actor i'm confident yeah it must have been but as you say the way they just managed to make these jump cuts yeah. in front of you like it might as well have just been a magic performance. Yeah. And, I mean, you and me were a big fan of how they got into the void. Yes. So, 
obviously, you know what the void looks like. It's a big black space with just water beneath their feet. As you say, a void. It's nothingness. Yeah. But, so they had to transition some way from the real location. So, obviously, Henry lives in his attic. Yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty much the attic. It's pretty much the attic. Um, So, transitioning from there to the void... They, I guess they know full well there's no way they can do that without us seeing these screens moving. Yeah. Because there seemed to be, from what I could see, a screen behind them. Yeah. A bit further into the staging, and then one right at the front of the stage. Yeah. And the way they transition it was sort of like the one at the back would raise, the one at the front would lower, mm. so that projections could be in front of the actor instead of behind. Yeah. And as I say, because they knew full well we'd clearly see that, I guess, they would have a red line on both of these screens at the very bottom of them. So below, sorry, behind the actor, there's a red line that rises, and in front there's a red line that lowers. And by red line, I mean glowing, sort of like the Stranger Things logo. Like strobe, almost. Yeah, like a red strobe. Stylized like the lines above and below the Stranger Things logo, so it it very much suited. Oh, and those lines by the side as well. Um, but yeah, that's how they would tr- transition between normal and void, and that was beautiful. Yeah, as you say, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was just pristine. It was. It, it was, was pristine, oh. and that's it. It took away. From what I, what my prejudice would be like, oh yeah, they obviously can't hide that, so I can see a big transparent screen lowering and raising. Yeah. Like, yeah, we know. And here it is, part of the effects. Yeah. Deal with it. There was just so many moments that just took your breath away, and you just wondered how they'd done it, what point had they done this to the actors. Like, one I'm thinking of is Brenner. Oh yes, that is one of my the things I keep mentioning to people. Yeah. Um, before I go on Brenner as well, though. Staging wise, still. Yeah. Um, I think Lewis, our brother-in-law, well, your brother-in-law, mentioned this. Um, but the boat at the start. Yes. Typical Stranger Things style. How much must that have cost to set up? Well, it was more than a boat, people. It begins with a ship. <laughs> yes, a ship. Not like your little dinghy boats or anything. I think it's meant to be during World War Two, isn't it? Um, it's in y- the 40s. Yeah, or maybe just after. But we've got to be because careful what we'll say about that. Because they are talking about World War Two, so it's clearly happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having such a big set piece on the stage, and they used it for about... A minute, two minutes, three minutes. Yeah. How very typical of Stranger Things to waste their money on something so big to only show it for about three seconds. Well, it got the effect it needed there, that's all I'll say. (laughs) Didn't it just? Um, But anyway, yeah, back on to Brenner and that moment. So obviously, we all know in the modern world, hoist strings are so thin, you physically can't see them when you're at a distance. And that's used in TV shows, movies, and obviously live performances. But they still have to be connected to them. And this is the thing I was going to say. That's true what you're saying about they're so thin. 
But I've always found you can still see it within their clothes. Usually, like, yes. You can see clearly that they are. I didn't think I was going to be saying crotch on this episode, yeah. but <laughs> you can usually tend to see it in the crotch. They all look like they've got a bit of a wedgie. Yeah. Um, or you can just see just something about the clothes isn't right. Yeah. But I couldn't say no, that about I them. I couldn't see this on any moment. Not that I'm looking at people's went. crotches, I'd like to add. <laughs> Yeah, any moment that someone flew into the air or anything like that, I wasn't expecting it because you can't see anything on them No. to indicate that they're about to be lifted up. And my point with Brenner, like, I'm trying to stay as spoiler-free as possible, but this is going to be a point where I physically can't, so... I think people would expect Henry to have done this at some point. Yeah, okay, all right, fine. Um, if you don't want to hear this, then skip a bit. I don't know how much yet, so I can't say. But anyway... Well, probably 30 seconds. 30 seconds or so. Maybe a minute, a push. But um, anyway, you'll figure it out. Um, so, Henry, Brenner, they're having a big argument. They're in the lab at this point, so they've got a little box on stage that's meant to be the interior of a room like an interview room basically yeah um and henry and brenner are having this heated argument you know brenner's saying you're useless without me this that and the other um and henry is obviously losing his mind going absolutely crazy and eventually it ends up with Henry forcing Brenner against the wall. A bit like Elle did against the Nina Project in season four. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, so if you think of the way that Brenner flies back into the Nina Project in season four, Henry does this to Brenner in this interview room. And the, the whole point about being rigged up to on a hoist to be lifted is like, He's walking out of this little stage box. He's, they are both walking freely around the stage. And yet, the way he goes up, this wire has to clearly be going through the box. Unless some of the box was projection, maybe. Gosh, That's the only way I can see this working, is if some of that box was projected. But either way, he suddenly goes against the wall. And I rarely have jaw drop or eye-opening moments in things I don't react to things like that but when Brenner flew against that wall I genuinely my eyes widened because I was like hold on he's rigged yeah he's rigged to be hoisted I'm like how's he moving so freely while having a hoist wire attached absolutely because he'd been all over the stage like yeah exactly and as I say the reason I'm mentioning this box so much is because then eventually he's flying upwards and through the roof of this box Mm -hmm. and as I say whether that was physically there if it was physically there that hoist wire is having to go through a hole and then out onto the stage so unless they had so much that it could be loose and potentially a trip hazard yeah i just don't understand how they managed that i know it was it was just insane and it was just full of surprises and it really was even though even though you knew certain things were coming um the audience were very shocked by them for instance being Gosh, for every single person who's seen season four, I mean, as I don't see how you could be listening to this without having seen season four. You're an absolute nutter if that's the case. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know that Henry kills his family, his mother and his sister, and how he does it. And let's just say that the death of the mother is incredibly accurate to what you see in season four. Absolutely. We don't see the, the sister. 
But we do see the mum, and a lot of the audience were incredibly shocked by that. I do wonder how many of them had never seen season four, or at least that moment, because, yeah, surely they knew that was coming. Or did they just think, there's no way they're going to be able to manage that on stage? Maybe. From a, you know, special effects point of view. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, it, it was. was. It turned your tummy. <laughs> it was fully accurate. Like, to what happens. Obviously, the only thing we don't really see, obviously, is eyes exploding. Well, I've got to say, actually, I thought the special effects were better than the mother's death in season four. Oh, yeah. I, I genuinely well, do. Well, there were a lot of moments where people said that about season four, and they were like, oh, we're going to touch it up and, you know, edit it while it's live now. Yeah. And they have done things like that. Like, God, one of the things in season four I can think of is Elle's face plastered over her younger version. Oh, right. Um, I'm trying to think what her name was. Marty. Marty Blair, who played younger Elle in season four. Um Millie's face plastered over her in CGI. Mm. Not CGI, in post-effects. That looked stupid, in my opinion. See, I didn't think it looked that bad. Now, this is the thing. Whenever it was genuinely just Marty, the younger actor, they got a good actor to resemble Millie younger. Yes. Um, But then it's when Henry is looking down at her and we see her from Henry's view, so we're looking at her from above. Yeah. And the camera's pointed down at her, and yet, for some reason, they decided, rather than just sticking with the actor's own face, it looked as if... Well, I'm sure they did. They just plastered a cutout of Elle Millie's face on her. <laughs> and I mean, by God, it wasn't terrible, but it it was so bad compared to their normal CGI. So... Yeah. yeah, there were moments like that the where they were like, oh yeah, now it's really... We just wanted to get it out there. We're going to go back and fix things now. Well, that's it. And I suppose you can't really do that with a play. It's got to be perfect on the night. And it was. And Honestly, perfect doesn't cut it. No, it doesn't. And really, um, we've kind of talked about this a little bit on our Instagram. But hmm. there was a point in the play where I had kind of said in episode two that I wondered if this would be the case. Yeah. And it ended up being true. Um, and I am going to say about it. Yeah. Um, so I would say skip 30 to a minute, 30 seconds to a minute. And I do mean that because I will be quick on this because I don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Ramble. <laughs> and to be fair, I'm not sure if this is going to be a big surprise to some people, to be honest, because I think it just makes logical sense as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's just not something that's been actually talked about in the show. Not yet, anyway. So I'm going to say it now. I predicted that Henry's blood had been given, been transfused into the subjects. And that's how they got their powers, that they weren't born with these powers. They were given it because of Henry. Now, it's explained in the play that when Henry gets this first contact with the shadow, his blood type changes to a blood type they've never seen before. Yeah. And Brenner unique. says, as we are shown the pictures of all the subjects, he says, you are just as much of a father to them as I am. Your blood runs through their veins. And his blood is in all of them, including L. Yeah. And they says, mentioned yeah. that for a reason, you know? So I'm like, oh, how, oh God, how is that going to come up in season five? Yeah. 
That's it, because we know the play isn't written by the Duffer Brothers. No. But they very much endorse it as canon. You oh, know, they've been it's to see heavily it. endorsed by Netflix, by the Stranger Things account, yeah. by Ross and Matt. And they've been to see it, and they heavily approve of it, so it's fully canon. Yeah. And they've said there's lots of hints to season five in it. Yeah. And I can see that. And I wrote down a couple of things that... Again, a spoilerish, but I don't think we're going in too much into it. Um, so I put things like the origin story of Henry is what the play is about. But it, what surprised us was there's actually a couple of moments and a couple of characters that could have redeemed him. Yes. Um, one of those characters, a very interesting female character called Patty Newby. Um, again, I won't go into her specific character, but we feel like if they do link with season five, she could be potentially significant or at least appear in yeah. season five. Um, Choice is putting on a play. So that's quite nice in the sense of we see where like Jonathan and Will get their creativity from. Yeah. So that was quite a special moment, really. Hopper's really funny in it, and actually his father is currently the chief of police. Yeah. And it seems like he doesn't want to go the same way as his father, but he is soon investigating um, pet murders that yeah, are happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the topic of Jim Hopper, he really reminded me... He, obviously, we saw the Jim we knew in him plenty, but he really reminded me of Steve yes teenage hopper is so like steve it, it was really funny even the way he was kind of dressed yeah um, dressed in the way he just talked to people yeah he had that carefree i'm the best thing since sliced bread yeah about him and he actually had a pretty special bromance with bob <laughs> yeah a bit like how um steve and dustin are yeah pretty much it, yeah that's a really good liking actually to it um, so that was really this is it there was actually so many comedic moments as well absolutely that's it just like the show can swap between horror to comedy yeah this play did the nailed same. it yeah absolutely did the same because there were moments where um, you're seeing Henry's um, I wouldn't say visions but what the shadow is making him see kind of yeah and they could be incredibly creepy moments um, yeah and then you're going straight back to the comedy of the other teens and everything. So, Absolutely. yeah, it, it was That's brilliant. It, yeah. And um, another thing, really, was I think you could actually understand um, why Henry takes a particular interest in Elle because she's quite similar to how he is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she goes down a completely different road. Yeah, that's it. She's brought up in the lab from day one. And when I say she goes down a completely different road, love saves her. Or it yes. has so far. Love has always saved her. Yeah, and the play was hinting at that in regards to Henry. Yeah, that he he may have had some sort of redemption story. Um, but I truly felt like, and this is nothing bad to Elle, or Will, actually, because he's also experienced the shadow, but I feel like it was so much stronger with Henry because it was like he's the the first victim, shall we say, yeah. It really had its claws in him and there was yeah. no going back, I don't think. Yeah, I fully agree in that sense where obviously Elle's never really had the shadow in her. No, not like Will has, like Will being has, possessed yeah. or anything. And like you say, it's definitely not fully out of Will. 
because in season three he's got the back of the neck spidey sense. Yeah. Um, and then I think at the end of season it's four, hinting that in season yes. four, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So he's definitely got a bit of it left in him or at least a link of some sort and that's it and i feel like will is going to play a big part in season five yeah and there was also a moment where again i don't think this is too spoilerish um there was a moment where henry is arguing with joyce and he says to her one day you'll understand what it's like to fight for something that you love Mm. trust me and I, so it made ooh. me think, was Will picked on purpose to be possessed? I definitely think so. But that also just made me think, You, we've sort of been thinking they're playing on a time thing here. Yes. Obviously, the Upside Down stuck in 83. I'm just like, well, that's when it was created, perhaps. But then we know it wasn't because it was clearly created long ago now. No yeah. Sort of play. Well, it's another but dimension. Exactly. So, God knows why it's stuck in 83 on the show side of things. But, yeah, it makes you think how much are they playing with time if Henry was threatening Will, like, a whole 11 years or so before he was born. Yeah. Essentially. Because um, that, that, that part was in 1960? No. No, it flashes forward. This is well after Henry, sorry. So... God, even more, like 15 years or so before I was even born. Well, that's it. Is it the shadow telling Henry what's going to come? Maybe the shadow sees into the future, yeah. But I I imagine it's a case that Henry now has that level of control that he does. I mean, well, he, at the end of season four, he threatens Nancy. He gives her a vision of seeing all of, like, her family dead and basically saying, this is your future. Oh, it's just so much and literally our plan with this podcast is to do a rewatch next and to kind of evaluate every episode but seeing this play has just made us want to do it so much more yeah because we want to see hints and absolutely have more theories and ideas of what might be to come yeah so rewatch wise we are going to start from season one yeah and yeah i think the the theme is going to be we watch an episode we record a podcast yeah so yeah, it will take us, well, how many episodes is it? So eight. A good one. Uh, <laughs> 17. Uh, 25. 25 episodes before we get into season four. Gosh. So, you know, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while, but I think from having seen season four, from being up to date and from seeing the play... I think it'll give us ideas um, as to potentially what's to come, but also things that we may never have picked up on before. And that's it. Who knows how many of these details we're going to pick out in season one, because truthfully, I don't think they had any of this planned out at that point. No, I mean, I think sometimes you have to know where it's going to go, though. Maybe. To an extent. Keep in mind, from season one, they didn't think they were going to get anywhere after season one. They didn't think the show was going to do anything. No, it's true. So I doubt... I mean, I think that was it. They were basically saying, yep, Elle's dead, that's the end, in season one. And then suddenly they're like, oh, we've got season two. Um, Okay, you better start planning things. Yeah. And I mean, hey, how much can they possibly plan if they forgot Will's birthday? 
That is true. <laughs> We're never going to let them live that down, to no, be fair. No chance. You can dub over Joyce saying May instead of March all you like. <laughs> His birthday was March. You cowards. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about the play? <sighs> I want to go again. <laughs> yes. The only thing I'd written down, um, I don't think you'd written down anything as a negative. And this very much is my perception because I spoke about with my sister about this and she disagreed with me. She thought, it, she, she saw it in a slightly different light. But the only negative for me was Karen's character. Yeah. Um, because I think we're kind of used to Karen now. Like, you know, we started Stranger Things where we thought she was quite a subdued housewife. And as the series have gone on, you know, we, we've seen her get stronger. Yeah. We've seen her go through conflict. We've seen her say no to, like, this opportunity with Billy when she's yeah. got such quite a sad life and all this stuff. It couldn't be more different to the character of her as a teenager. And as a te- um, her character as a teenager, so she's running for president. She's incredibly popular. She's, I'm pretty confident she's a cheerleader. We start off the scene where her and I mean Ted's character shocked me a bit as well. He's yeah. like a jock, yeah, and exactly. they are Ted making out jock. against a locker. All of that, I wouldn't say it was that that did it for me. It was just the fact that when Karen speaks and how she acts, it's a bit stereotypical, dumb blonde Barbie type thing, and. She just like wears really promiscuous clothes in Joyce's play because she wants to stand out. And she was just incredibly over the top. Incredibly over the top. Like she kind of reminded me. I would have believed that her future character was going to be like, um, you know, in season three, the, um, the mayor's wife. Yeah. That kind of thing where she's like in his spandex and she's like, oh honey, when she finds him and and he's all tied up and she's a bit dumb, blonde, like, type role. Yeah. Um, it, I just can't understand how she went from that to where she is now. And I know we all change, yeah. but it just felt so stereotypical. And I felt like it kind of did Karen a disservice. I felt the same, to be fair, when I saw her. I was like, you're not the Karen we know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not the Ted we know. You're not the Jim Hopper we know. But there was traits of Hopper. You could see he had the stubbornness. He had the arrogance. He had the cheekiness. Yeah, even that's way, it. Even Nobody. the way he was like, Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nothing sort of men met up with that in terms of how yeah. Karen was different. And I mean, like you say, Karen's always been a very much side character. Yeah. She's always just been the typical mum who well is just dealing with the life she's made herself now yeah um, and I think the, she only truly well the first time we see her sort of be a bit more of a mother in my opinion is season three right at the end where Mike's basically having a breakdown over Alan Will moving away yeah and she just hugs him yeah. through that moment and I of think course in season three, when she talks to Nancy about being a woman. Oh, that I've, I thought that was season four, because I was going to get onto that. Ah, uh, no, it's season three. Okay. Because it's when Nancy's in the workplace, if you like. Yeah, yeah, you are right. What, what does she do? In, is she really involved in season four? 
We need a rewatch. We do need a rewatch. Not massively, except for obviously protecting the kids and yeah. sticking up for them when everyone's hunting for them. Yes, yes, okay. But yeah, I, as I say, I was going to get on to the talk with Nancy about mm. the workplace and all that, and I really thought that was season four, but no, you're right, that is season three. So yeah, she really comes out of a shell in yeah. season three um, and becomes a bit more of a character rather than just a housewife who's dealing with the fact that she's now with a deadbeat husband who she's genuinely thinking of cheating on with this jock boy. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, good on a fair... Well, this was Ted's actor's thing to be sleeping with Holly on the chair, yeah. wasn't it? It was him who said, no, I think I should be... You know, No, I I'm have... pretty sure it was Cara who plays Karen. Because oh. I'm sure she said... I, I'm pretty confident um, what she said was they needed she would need more than to see Ted sleeping on the sofa ah, to stay. So it was her that said it, not him. Yeah. She needed... Sorry, Cara, if you're watching, uh, reading, uh, listening to this. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're professional. <laughs> no, she said that she'd need more of a reason to stay. Yeah, exactly. I remember her saying that, yeah. And I fully agree. Yeah. Because the whole reason she was going out to meet Billy was because Ted is now this deadbeat who... <sighs> It's just a waste of oxygen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it. I agree that just seeing him would not, nowhere near been enough to sway her away. Yeah. But seeing their youngest daughter sleeping on, it, using him as a pillow on the ladyboy, that, yeah, at that point you'd be like, no, I've got a life with this man. We've got three kids. And you see her resilience grow to try and fight for their relationship. You kind of see that at the fun fair and things like that. She's just yeah, trying... forcing him out onto a Ferris wheel when he's like, "No, I don't like Ferris wheels." Yeah, either. she's like, "No, too bad, get on it." <laughs> yeah, so she's clearly fighting, and I just didn't see that kind of character in the play. No, um, I... but that would be my only negative. Yeah, and I wonder how much of her changing is down to like the workplace and all of that. Like her trying to get a job and America being very much anti-female. Possibly. That's it. But it just felt like I could have believed all of that, even just seeing her going for precedent and being a cheerleader and making out. But it was just the over-the-top actions of things yeah. she said and the way she acted that I was like, this is too much. Yeah. This isn't it like was her character was very at all. different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I expected it to be a lot stronger rather than just being like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I I felt it exactly the same. I was like, "That's Karen." Yeah, and really? but the thing is, at the end of the day, it was absolutely incredible. This is probably the most unprofessional we've ever been so far on our podcast. Yeah, trying to get our words out, talking mm. over each other, and we apologise, but we're just so excited about this yeah. and so passionate. I, I can't find it in me to apologise because if you go and see the show yourself you'll fully understand why we're like this. And you will join us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we at the end there was a funny moment as well. At the end um, everyone was clapping and everyone was clapping Oh crazily. yeah. Absolutely. So this is when this is right at the end like the end scene and the if, if there were no credits but the credits start rolling essentially yes and you know they're doing their bows and I thought from our section of the dress circle I was like they bloody deserve a standing ovation absolutely why is no one standing up 
Yeah, genuinely, so, I think we were the only two then. Yeah. yeah. So I stand up. I think they were stood up at the bottom row. Um, from what maybe. I see. But I stand up, and I realise why most people probably don't stand up because um, there's not much room up there, and uh, I tripped. <laughs> <laughs> Before you think she fell all the way down to the bottom and crushed people on the way down. I love how you're saying about crushing people as if that would be your concern. What about me? What about your daughter? <laughs> but again, yeah. Um, before you worry any of that, I have a no. It was just really tight. There was nowhere really to place your feet when you're standing up. So I stumbled. Yeah. <laughs> but I did not care. I stumbled and I stood and I clapped and clapped and clapped. Absolutely. And I mean, this time I was like, no, I'm standing with you because... Yeah. They, they deserved deserve it. it. They deserve This show alone deserves it. But this live performance and these fantastic actors mm. deserve it. Yeah. Everyone who played a part in making Stranger Things itself, but everyone who played a part in making this show a reality. Yeah. This live performance where anything can go wrong... But nothing did. No. It was perfect. Honestly, I bow down to you guys. I can't. I cannot explain how freaking amazing. Yeah. This show, on screen and live, really is. So I think we finish here by saying we are shook. Yeah. We are. Like I say, I. I'm freaking speechless. Well, we say we're speechless, but we keep talking over each other. So This is our longest episode yet, so that's a good <laughs> good speechless. Yeah, so we are shook. We are barely human anymore. We're barely I am, alive. I am but a shell of who I used to be. <laughs> this, you know how you feel when you finish a season of Stranger Things and you're like, what the hell do I do with my life now? that amplified by like a million that's us right now that's our life so yeah in this next podcast we will start our rewatch and with all the knowledge that we have or any of the theories we have we hope it's a really good rewatch for you because we can come up with some theories but talk about what was brilliant in each of the episodes that we're going to watch absolutely right thank you so much for listening to this thank you very much I apologise I don't know how I'm going to pretend to be human now, but yes, thank you for listening. Again, so sorry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.